Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about keeping faith in a COVID world. The COVID crisis has been different than any other crisis that I can remember in our history that I've read about, especially in what I have lived through as a pastor. The COVID crisis has taught me a lot of things that if we had not gone through this crisis, I would have never learned, I don't believe, and I believe that others are learning some of the same lessons that I'm learning right now. I've always been thankful for the gift of leadership that God has given me and for those that I've been able to teach and mentor in leadership for leadership conferences and mentoring that I've been able to do over the last 25, 30 years. But the COVID crisis has taught me, not that I've ever underestimated my call as a pastor, but I have come to treasure my call as a pastor more than ever before. I've come to, to see the value, and, and not that I've ever undervalued, but the value of discipleship more than I have ever before. For you see, although we need leaders, and I would not want to in any way to undersell the need that we need leaders, there's something different about being a pastor and being a disciple than there is in just being a leader. When we think about what we're going through, and I've seen and watched so much during this time, I've witnessed people who are afraid. I've witnessed people who've been paralyzed by fear. I've stood by the bedsides of those who have COVID crisis. I have prayed with those families that couldn't be with their loved ones who've died from the COVID crisis. This morning before coming to church, I prayed with someone who is in the 16th day of their, of their infection with the coronavirus and the struggles that they're having and so it's like every day of my life has been different during this time, and leadership is a valuable tool, but nothing can replace what it means to be a pastor or what it means for you and I to be disciples. I've been able to testify to leaders in our community. I've been able to testify to leaders in businesses and companies. I've been able to network with some of them and say to them, there is a way to walk free from fear. There's a way to walk free from anxiety. And there's a way to walk so that you are not paralyzed by the COVID crisis that we're facing. We are to use wisdom. We are to, to do the things that we know will be right and be considerate of those around us, like wearing the face mask that we ask you to wear as you come into church, washing your hands frequently, avoiding touching your face. And I don't know about you, but that's been the hardest thing in the world for me to do is avoid touching my face. I've been surprised at how many times I touch my ears, I touch my cheek, I touch my nose, or whatever it is. I find myself when I'm praying, I want to put my hand up here underneath my chin, and I remind myself not to be afraid, but just to be smart and to be wise. To remind myself when people say, oh, pastor, you don't need to wear that mask around me. And I say, oh, yes, I do. I want to protect you because if I'm infected, I don't want to bring something upon you that you shouldn't have. So we use wisdom, but we can walk in a place where we're not fearful and bound by fear. The book of Psalms, chapter 22 and verse 26, and if you've downloaded the app, you can follow along with us, or if you're here in service, you can follow along in your outline. But the Bible says this, the poor will eat and be satisfied, and all who seek the Lord will praise Him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy, and the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to Him. All the families of the nations will bow down before Him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. And by the way, a lot of times when people come to me wanting to know about leadership, what they're looking for is power. And in the kingdom of God, 
we don't worry about power. Power comes to those who are walking full of the Spirit. But leadership is more about servanthood. It's not about powering up or amping up on other people. So for all royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship, bow before him, all who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Notice that. All of us, our lives will one day, as we know it on this earth, come to an end. But our children will also serve him, and future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord, and his righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything that he has done. One of the things that I am confident about is that my grandsons, and that those children that have not even been born yet, we have some COVID babies coming in our congregation, for which I'm so excited about. I'm so thankful for those who have called us as pastor. We're going to have a baby, but they're going to hear about the faithfulness and the provision and the goodness of God while we have went through the worst crisis that the world has known during my lifetime. Think about it. Nothing else has ever stopped the whole world. Nothing else has ever been a worldwide global pandemic that the way that this has and yet we have discovered, despite all of our fears, God has been faithful. And I will be honest and confess with you that when this all started, I, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what was going to happen. I found myself scrambling and looking for resources and what we could do. I found myself fasting and praying, not to boast about that, but that's the desperation I felt with this COVID crisis coming and all the statistics and the illnesses that we were reading about happening right here in our metro area of Detroit and in New York and California, and now it's sweeping through the southeast and the midwest of our country. But one of the things that the Lord kept just constantly laying on my heart from the scriptures is that the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, and I knew that if I could stand the pulling, God was going to pull this through this time, and how faithful God has been to do this. And I've tried to record daily in my journals what I've seen God doing so that even the generations that are born after my grandchildren, if Jesus tarries that long, they're going to see the good hand of the Lord that provided. When I was a child, we used to sing a song in our church called Invisible Hands. And Invisible Hands, the lyrics went, were there to guide us. Invisible Hands were there to provide for us. Invisible Hands were there to protect us. And those invisible hands are the hands of God that are in our life. Oftentimes, and one of the reasons that I said to you just a few moments ago, why I've come to appreciate my call as a pastor more than ever before, is because I stand with people in their pain whether it's in a hospital, whether it's in a convalescent center or a nursing home. Sometimes it's been where somebody has lost everything they owned in a fire. Somebody, sometimes it's been when they've lost a job or it's been through a divorce. Sometimes it's been through the death of a child. And I've stood in those times and people have asked me this question, Pastor, is this happening because I've sinned? Is God angry at me? Does God still love me? And one of the things that I want to assure you from the Word of God this morning is that God loves us in our pain. God loves us through our pain. God protects us in our pain. God provides for us in our pain. And I know what that's like, having experienced a great deal of personal pain, physically and emotionally and spiritually myself. You know, when you're in pain, 
You just want to feel numb. When you're in pain, sometimes you just want to withdraw. You don't even want to be close to people. And the very people that you want to avoid when you're in pain are the people that want to come along and tell you, if you'll do this, it'll get better. Or the people that want to come along and fix you. Or the people who want to come along and try to give you advice. The people that I've appreciated most when I was in pain were the people who were willing just to sit there and weep with me. People who were willing to sit there sometime and just pray silently with me. You know, as someone that's had over 40 major surgeries, there have been times when people have come and just sat in the hospital and laid their hand on my arm or my shoulder, sometimes on my knee, and I knew they were praying, but I was in so much pain I didn't feel like talking. But the 30 minutes to an hour that they would spend with me, they're still marked in my mind as memorable milestone moments of the healing that God brought. I remember one time a friend of ours bought their three adopted children, beautiful children, and they got permission from the hospital and they came in and they stood at the foot of my bed and they sang one of my favorite hymns to me and then they just quietly were escorted out by their dad and the nurses and the doctors that came in with them. But there was something about their presence that brought healing into my life. And what I want you to know this morning is when you're in pain, you're not wanting somebody that will necessarily tell you how to make it better. You're just wanting to know that that pain has a purpose and it has a reason. Let me tell you a story, and I think it will help you understand this better. Once, just a few years ago, when I came back from Asia, after the third major surgery, I had five of those after I came back from this infection that I picked up. But I had a, a scar, I had an open wound on my stomach that was the size of a dollar bill. And the doctor came in and removed the bandages and it was just horribly infected. And without any anesthesia, he ripped it open with both of his hands. And I, I yelped and I grabbed his arms and he looked at me and he says, Pastor, you have to let go. I have to do this or you're going to die. And with other people holding my arms and helping me through that time, he literally opened my body up without any anesthesia and began painfully to take that out of my life. But somehow or another in that pain, I knew there was purpose. And what I've discovered is this, pain is a fertilizer to growth. Pain is a fertilizer to growth. That's not in your outline, so you may want to write that down somewhere. My dad was a great farmer. He knew his fertilizers, and he knew what fertilizers to put under what crops in order to help them to flourish and to grow. And so dad would always apply at the right time the proper application of those fertilizers. And even when other people were not producing crops, daddy was always producing crops because he knew the fertilizer. And friends, you need to know today, God will not waste a single day of the pain that we are walking through as a congregation, as your family. We're not going to waste, God's not going to waste a single day of pain in our country or in the world or our community as we walk through this. God's given us two great books in the Bible to help us understand this, but people often avoid those books. Someone this week told me that this just fresh off the, the frying pan, but just this week someone said to me, he said, Pastor, my devotions this week took me to the book of Job, and I thought with all that's going on, the last thing I wanted to read was the book of Job. And so they're using a Bible plan, and so they were going to go to another place in the Bible to read, so they looked at their Bible plan, and it took them to the book of Lamentations. And those are the two books of the Bible that most people try to avoid because Job and Lamentations are all about pain and suffering and how God is with us. 
And this individual said to me, said, I just simply looked up to heaven and says, God, you're enjoying this, aren't you? They knew then that God wanted them to walk through these two books in order to have a better handle on understanding what God is doing in our lives. It is a principle in the kingdom of God. It is a principle that in order for there to be birth, there has to be death. In order for there to be growth, there has to be death. In order for there to be birth, a woman has to go through the pain of bringing a child into this world. And before there was the resurrection of Christ, who triumphed and sealed our salvation from our sins, Jesus Christ had to suffer and die for our sins upon the cross. And dear friends, you need to know that before God promotes you, before God promotes an individual, before God promotes a church, before God promotes anybody, it seems like God lets them walk through pain. So don't run from this pain. Don't necessarily be asking God to bring pain into your life, but understand that if you're going through pain, God has a purpose. And I've already seen so much good in our church. I've seen so much good in our community. I've seen so much good happening around the world during the coronavirus pandemic. People are calling me and saying, you know what? We've never planted a garden before. And our family is actually growing a garden in our backyard. And it's so nice to be able to have a tomato or a cucumber or something they've grown in their backyard together. My wife has grown a garden for the first time this year. And she's having so much fun with it. My sisters and I have remarked that was nothing but work for us when we were growing up, but Becky's had so much fun with it, and I've heard families tell me, say, we're spending more time than we've ever spent together. Dad's telling me, says, I've never had this much time with my children, and honestly, I've had a few wives call me and say, is there anything I can do at the church? I've never spent this much time with my husband, and I've had a few husbands call me as well and say, is there anything I can do down at the church? I've never spent this much time with my family. You see, God is teaching us, again, what it means to be a family. There is much more to family than there is to just having a soulmate. There is much more to family than just having those romantic feelings and those loving feelings. We are raising children who not only know how to prosper and abound, but we're raising children so that they know how to triumph and to conquer and to overcome through Christ Jesus when in the generations to come, they have to walk through painful times like we're going through right now. We have to learn how to lean on one another and trust one another. Would you look at this verse in your Bibles with me? It's from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. Jesus said, now listen, God gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And while I was meditating on that verse this week and writing and just taking notes, just whatever was coming to mind as I was praying, it just dawned on me how that people who love Jesus Christ with all their hearts, we respond differently to the sunshine than people who don't love Jesus. People who love Jesus with all their heart, we respond differently to the rain than people who don't love Jesus. People who love Jesus, they respond differently to good and evil. When good comes into our life, we rejoice and we give God for his thankfulness. When evil comes into our life, we still rejoice because we know that greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. We know that God would not allow us to go through this time if he did not intend to make us more than conquerors. You see, so much of it depends upon who is the Lord of your heart. If you're the captain of your soul, if you're the captain of your fate, you're finding it right now very difficult to live. 
If you're the captain of your soul and the captain of your fate, you've probably experienced some losses that you never thought you would lose, financial losses, relational losses, family losses, things that have happened. If you're someone that's depending upon the economy or politics to solve our problems, and you find yourself, we can't even get our doctors to agree right now on what the right treatments are for medications. And then this week there was in the paper how that one nation is spying on another nation trying to steal their research on what a cure might be for this drug, uh, for this COVID crisis we're coming through. You see, we live in a fallen world and we live in an evil world. And that's why the next point is so important. Evil resulted from sin, from mankind's sin and not from God's plan. It was never God's plan to bring sin into the world. And as a pastor, I have never built my ministry on trying to tell people what is sin and what isn't sin. I have built my ministry around trying to help people discover who Jesus Christ is and trust the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. When I was in high school, not long after I gave my life to Jesus, one of my Christian buddies who also happens to be a pastor today, we decided we would make a list of all the sins in the Bible. Matter of fact, we made up some sins that we look back at now that they weren't even the Bible, but we were convinced they were sins, and so we wrote those down. And we had several pages of things that we just agreed together we were not going to do. And what that did to us is it made us very legalistic. It made us very judgmental. It made us very critical, even of other Christians who didn't see things the way that we saw. As we got older and we were both students later in Bible college, he at one college and I another college, we would talk about and remark to one another, that was one of the stupidest, dumbest things that we'd ever done in our lives, trying to make up a list of all the sins. As a matter of fact, there was a survey done in the United States not too long ago. And here are some of the things that the majority of all Americans, that Americans agree upon that are sin. 81% of Americans believe that adultery is sin. 74% of Americans believe that racism is sin. I don't know why that's not 100%, but, you know, there it is. 65% of us believe that using hard drugs is sin. To not tell the cashier if she gave you too much change back, that's 63%. Having an abortion, 56%. Homosexual activity, 52%. Not reporting your taxes properly, 52%. You see, Americans have a lot of things that we agree are sin. But the key is not pointing out what is sin to people. The key is pointing out to sinners like myself, who is the Savior from all sin? Who is the one that can deliver us and save us from our sins? You see, every time, and I wish that I'd had the chance to pray with the young man this morning. But he heard me say this in the first service, and I'm going to say it to you as well. Every time I pray with someone to give their heart to Jesus Christ, I'm reminding myself that I too am a sinner in need of grace. Every time I pray with someone to give their heart to Jesus or when someone asks me how to become a Christian or someone asks me why they should give their heart to Jesus or when someone asks me what sin is and I try to have those conversations with them and believe it or not, I have those conversations frequently and I welcome those. One of the things that I tell everybody every time is, you know, you need to know something. I'm a sinner too. And I really do tell God when I lead people in my heart of hearts, Lord, I need your forgiveness as well. 
one of the greatest truths I discovered is that the Bible teaches that I'm being saved from my sin yesterday. I've been saved from my, I'm being saved from my sin today, and I will be saved from the power of sin tomorrow. I need Jesus every single day of my life. And yet I find at times that there is this riptide in my life. And maybe you found the same thing. There's this riptide in our lives that tempts us to sin, that leads us to sin. Even those who know what all the sins are, and they're willing to tell you what all the sins are, those legalistic people, when they're honest with me, they have admitted there's that riptide inside of their lives. You see, the great Apostle Paul, listen to this, Apostle Paul said this, he wrote to young Pastor Titus as he was teaching him how to pastor, and as he was mentoring him in how to pastor. He said to Titus, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I am the foremost among them. By saying foremost, he meant he was the biggest sinner, the chiefest sinner. And what he meant by saying that is, as he wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, he still feels the power, the pull, even though he's been born again, even though he's been given a new nature. There's this power of sin that works in our lives. And what you need to remember about sin is this. Sin is a terrible taskmaster. Sin is a horrible slave master. Sin is always bidding you to come back. We know what we've been saved from. It amazes me that 81% of Americans would say that adultery is sin, and yet it's a sin that's rampant in our society. It amazes me that only 74% of Americans say that racism is sin, and yet still so many people struggle and wrestle with racism. You see, the reason we can say that and admit that, we know what a terrible toil it takes upon our lives. We know how Psalms 41 says, as I read to you just a few moments ago, sin will tear your life apart. Sin will tear your marriage apart. It will tear your family apart. It will tear a nation apart. It's the reason the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. But if I'm not careful, I get forgetful. If I'm not careful, I get thankless in my life. This week, I had one of those moments and experiences in my life. Don't worry, I'm not fixing to tell you anything juicy. But I had one of those moments in my life where I was writing and I was thinking, and I leaned back in my chair, and, and I'm just going to tell you, I said, you know, DC, you've done real good here. And then suddenly, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit hit me, and it was like everything I have, everything I am, Everything that I've been able to do or possess in this life, it's all because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's how that riptide catches us, is we become thankless. And suddenly, we begin to give ourselves the credit rather than giving glory to God. You can get anything accomplished in this life if you're willing to give all the glory to God. It's been said in leadership, you can get anything accomplished in this life if you don't have to take the credit for it, if you don't need to get the credit for it. You see, every time I share Jesus Christ with somebody, every time I share my faith with somebody, every time I have the opportunity to, to take a conversation and share my faith story with someone, every time I have an opportunity to witness to someone and tell them about the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, not that they're a sinner, not that what they're doing is wrong, but when I tell them about Jesus Christ, it's like I'm swimming away from that riptide. It's like I'm being saved by the great lifeguard himself. Jesus is just reaching down and pulling me out. 
Sin was not the fault of God. Sin was what we brought into this world. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. All of us. I am the chief among them, Paul said. And I would say the same thing. And so this morning, I want you to understand the COVID virus, the racism, the racial trauma that we're experiencing, or anything else that is happening in this nation, it's not God's plan. But God is working in the midst of all of that, His plan to bring you to Jesus Christ this morning, to save and to deliver your family from the storms that this planet is going through right now. Because God has an amazing plan for you in Christ Jesus. You know what else the Bible says? Listen to this. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. It says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Say that with me. Say it, say it here in the sanctuary, but say it at home as well. Conquer evil by doing good. You know what I'd like you to do today? I'd like you to just, after the service this morning, would you just take some time and would you begin to write down some of the good things you could do this week? Write down the good things that you could do for others because when you do good to others, you're bringing glory to Christ. Jesus said that when people see you doing good deeds, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. So write down some of the things that are good that you could do. Where are people fearful? How could you encourage them? Where are people worried? How could you help them to have confidence? Where are people this morning in lack? How could you be generous to them? Where are their parents that are tired? How could you help them? How can you make yourself available to be a blessing? You see, the last thing the enemy wants us to do is to look outside of ourselves. Be wise. Do all the wise things that we're supposed to do. But let's look for ways that we can glorify God and keep faith with Him by being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing I'd like you to see this morning is that God's grace manifests itself in our anger at evil. We should be angry at evil. We should be angry at what's going on in our lives. We should be angry at the evil that's taking place in our society. But before we address the society or before we address somebody else's problems, Let's remember what Jesus says. Let's deal with the plank that's in our own eyes. Because a lot of times, and this is what I've discovered very, very often, even in the lives of some of my heroes that have fallen into sin, the very things that they were critical of in others is the very things they're guilty of themselves. You see, oftentimes we criticize other people because of the things we hate in ourselves. Oftentimes, we judge other people because of the things that we know that we're struggling in. And so we, we see that in other people, and we become harsh and judgmental of that. And Jesus says it's like having a two-by-four in your eye. And he says, your brother or your sister, they have a little tiny speck in their eye, and you've got this two-by-four. Can you imagine that? You've got this, and you're swinging around, and you're knocking them down with your criticism. You're beating them up with your criticism. And you're trying to reach into their eye and remove a little speck. Jesus says, first deal with the evil. Deal with the problem in your own life. See how I do that? Simply by going to Jesus and saying, Lord, like the Apostle Paul, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. You know, if you're impatient, ask God to help you become patient. If you're someone this morning that you, you find yourself tending to gossip, you know, 
it's amazing that wasn't one of the things that we hate the most, but if you find yourself one of those that people's names aren't safe in your mouth and you're critical and you gossip about them, ask the Lord to forgive you. If you're judgmental, then ask the Lord to forgive you. And then put some disciplines and make yourself accountable to other people. You see, listen to this, repentant people will be successful people. Let me say that again. Repentant people will be successful people. The people who do not know how to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, they're the people that will ultimately fail. In life, in relationships, in careers, in education, it doesn't matter. You see, it takes strength and it takes courage to be a repentant person. And the way to be angry at evil is not to get mad at yourself, is to go before the Lord and repent of it. Now, when we see anger in our world, like racism, or when we see anger in our world, like poor people not having enough to eat, then the way we demonstrate our anger is that, is that we deal, if there's any sense of racism in our heart, we, we deal with that severely, and we're wise, and we're discerning, and we get involved in healing, and we get involved in, in, in movements that help promote justice and fairness among everyone, but we don't compromise our faith. I've been somewhat troubled by some of the blindness that people are being led in some of the racial things. Yes, I hate racism, but you need to understand unborn life really matters. Yes, I hate racism, but you need to understand God still created us male and female, and marriage is between a man and a woman. So let's don't buy into the fact that we are racist if somehow or another that we say that the unborn life doesn't matter or the elderly life doesn't matter. Let's don't buy into the fact that we're racist if we say that human beings were created the image of God and that God's plan for marriage was between a man and a woman. That is not racist. Racism. That's just simply recognizing the Word of God. Let's don't hate people that disagree with us. Let's don't even fight with people that disagree with us. But let's take a stand for righteousness and justice, and let's be willing to lovingly and persuasively articulate our positions on this thing from the Word of the Lord. Jesus did not get sidetracked from his mission in life to save lost people like myself. He stayed focused not on the political issues of the day, but of the core issue that I need and that you need, and that's life transformation. I watched an interview this week with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Most of you are probably familiar with them. But they were being interviewed by a, a, a young black man that hosts a television show or a YouTube show called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And Chip and Joanna brought all of their children in and the reason they brought their children in for the interview is they were asked why. He says, because we want them to know how to respond lovingly. We want them to know how to respond as Christians do in a situation like this. Friends, we can make our voices heard without compromising our values and compromising our faith. Look at this passage with me from Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 22. Won't those who plot evil go astray? But grace and truth are for those who plan good. So if you ask me, am I worried about certain movements? No. They'll go astray because they're trying to hijack something that is good. And sometimes the enemy, he's a clever enemy. Heresy always comes riding in on the back of truth. And so I'm not worried about evils that try to take over something that's good and then introduce other things because those who plot evil, God will frustrate them. My job is what the rest of this verse says. 
grace and truth are for those who plan good. And so in my life, in my family's life, and in this congregation, and as far as I have a role of leadership in our community, we are planning good. And we're not only planning good, we're doing good. Because oftentimes people make a list, a to-do list, or they make a plan, and they think, well, the job's done. I've already got the, the pressure's off of them because they've got a list. It's not on their mind. Friends, making the list is like jumping out of the starting gate. The victory always belongs to the one who finishes the race. And so I would encourage you today, plan to do good and then implement that plan for doing good in your community. Martin Luther King, and one of the best days of my life was when I got to interview his personal secretary and spend an afternoon with her in Atlanta, Georgia. And I gained a whole new respect for Martin Luther King, but listen to what he said. A just law is a man-made code that squares with a moral law or the law of God. Just laws will always square with the Word of God. And I would challenge you, know your Bible. I'm not a lawyer. I don't study the law, but I know my Bible. I, I, you know, I don't study cults, to be honest with you. I'm not interested in studying all the different cults, but I know my Bible. And just like a teller knows when they're holding real cash and counterfeit cash because they're taught to be so familiar with the genuine they recognize the counterfeit. If you will know your Bibles, then when a politician speaks, when a preacher speaks, when a school teacher speaks, when a professor speaks, when anyone speaks, you'll know if they're speaking truth or if they're speaking deception. And those who plot evil, God will see to it that they go astray. But for you and I who plan to do good, God is going to bless and prosper us and make us successful in everything. Can you say, come on, victory to that? I mean, that is great news to me. And then finally this morning, I want to close with this today. God took our sin, our pain, and our suffering upon himself. God took our sin and our pain and our suffering upon himself. You know, I, that was my timer telling me that it's about time for us to conclude, but I didn't get to share this in the first service, but I want to share it. Be careful to share it in this service. You know, and still, even though I didn't get to share it, there was a young man who gave his heart to Jesus. And the reason it's so important that you understand why keeping faith in a COVID world, why I've talked about sin this morning, is because if the enemy can do anything, is to get us as Christians to become thankless and is to get lost people to think, that Jesus is not the answer. I am grieved over how Jesus is being politicized. I am grieved over how Jesus is becoming a difficult topic with some people that even being followers of Jesus Christ and Christianity is racist. Friends, nothing can be further from the truth. Don't listen to the, to the activists. Go to your Bible and see what the Word of God says about Jesus. If you remember your Old Testament from Sunday school or children's church or when you've read the Old Testament, one of the ways that God's people confess their sins and they dealt with their sin is they brought a sacrifice to God. And when that animal was sacrificed and his blood was shed, God accepted that as a covering and forgiveness for their sins. But prophetically, all through the Old Testament, those sacrifices were pointing to Jesus. They were pointing to the cross where Jesus died for our sins. You see, sin is, sin is like this huge chasm between us and God. 
Sin is like this unspannable gulf. One of my friends, who's a nuclear scientist and a nuclear engineer, is always keeping me updated and the scientific things I need to know. The universe is still expanding. The universe is getting larger and larger. God's doing something. But you see, that's truly infinity and beyond. And that gulf, what Jesus did when he died at Calvary, he wasn't dying for himself. Jesus was no mere man. Jesus was dying for you. Jesus was dying for you. He was dying for my, me. Corey, you're one of the kindest men I know. But Jesus died for your sins. That's the power of the gospel. Is what separates me from God. Jesus bridged that. Jesus, in taking sin upon himself, now don't miss this. In taking sin upon himself, Jesus took your pain. Jesus took your suffering. If you ever want to know why Jesus would pray in the Garden of Eden, excuse me, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It's because the sinless Son of God, God took all the sins of all humanity at one time upon himself. He became, listen, don't miss this. Are you listening? He became sin for us. So I look back in shame upon myself. You know, as a 65-year-old man, I look at my 21-year-old self. I look at my 15-year-old self. I look at my 40-year-old self. I sometimes look at my 50-year-old self and say, how could I have been so silly? And if Jesus lets me live to be 100, I'll probably look at my 65-year-old self and say, how could I be so silly? But there's one thing I know. Am I trying to make a list of what was sin and what wasn't sin? I was setting myself up as a judge. And Jesus, he took the judgment of the sins of the world upon himself so that you and I could be born again so we could be transformed. Eventually, every parent knows this. Your kids are going to ask you some tough questions. When my kids were little, they asked me softball questions, and I loved answering them. Then they got to high school, and they began to ask more difficult questions. Then as they traveled with me overseas, they would ask even more difficult questions. And what I learned it's the same thing I did as a youth pastor. I gave up trying to be the answer man and just bring people into the presence of Jesus the way people who sat with me in my pain brought the presence of Jesus to me. The way people who listened to me in my pain when I would go, oh, 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 and they would lay their hand upon me and they'd pray silently. But to take that moment and to listen to my children. And this morning, in your pain, Jesus listens to you. And unlike me, Jesus is the answer to our sin and our sorrow and suffering. He knows what you've been through. Listen, 
when Jesus was here on earth. He offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. And even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Family, God's never going to waste a day of your pain. God's going to teach you through this time, and you're going to grow like never before. Keep faith. Keep faith with God. Keep faith with one another. Husbands, keep faith with your wives. Parents, keep faith with your children. Keep faith with your neighbors. Stay faithful to God and plan to do good. And understand this, that if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've listened this long, it's because you know today's the day of salvation. Today is a day that you, maybe you sense the presence of Christ, and I want to pray with you right now to give your heart to Jesus. So would you just bow your head right there, close your eyes, and in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I want to pray for you first. Father, I thank you for those who have listened They've stayed this long with me in a service of worship today, and I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. They sense a need. They sense a draw, a pull. That yes, Jesus Christ took my sins upon himself. They know today maybe something they've never known before, that like me, they're a sinner. And they need the grace and the forgiveness of God. Or maybe, Lord, they're a Christian. Maybe they've already given their heart to you, but they felt that riptide. And like me, Lord, maybe they've become a little thankless or forgotten to share their faith story or forgotten to disciple their family or others around them. I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, forgive us. We give you all the glory, Lord. Now, if you're one of those who want to pray with me, would you pray this right now? If you're in the sanctuary or if you're watching online, just simply pray. You don't have to pray it out loud, but pray it to Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And now remember, I'm praying with you. Lord, have mercy on this pastor as well. Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I acknowledge, Lord, what you did for me at Calvary. I don't understand how you could do it, but I believe, John 3, 16, that you loved us so much that you sent your only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So as much as I know how right now, I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my boss. It's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. I hope you prayed that with me, and I hope you'll let us know either right here on Facebook or YouTube or send an email to me here at office at woodland.church. Just send it at office at woodland.church. Pastor Corey is going to come in just a moment. We have a gift that we'd like to send to you if you'll just give us your contact information. 
Maybe you're like the young man in the first service today that uh, you'd like to know today. If you'll let us know today, we'll get it to your hands right away. And if you're part of our Woodland family, then please don't forget to go online or use your cell phone and text 77977 to bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. Maybe you remember Mark and Casey that were with us at the first of the year. They're almost at the finish line, and we want to help them as they finish their itineration. They're going into an unevangelized part of the world where people don't have the good news of Jesus Christ. They're going where there's not even an evangelical church or a Catholic church to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has given them some remarkable entrepreneurial abilities but he's also given them a passion to share the love of Jesus. They have an official welcome to come. So help us finish getting them across the line. And if you give, just make in the memo. If you're giving online, just put Mark and Casey, and we'll be sure that every cent of that gets to them in the mail tomorrow. God bless you. I love you so much. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Don't leave yet. Pastor Corey has something he wants to share with you this morning. Thank you so much for joining with us today. And if you prayed that prayer with Pastor Clanton and cross that line of faith, we have this book that we would like to give to you. Um, if you're watching online, you can just simply uh, write in the comments there that I prayed that prayer and we'll get in touch with you or email office at woodland.church and uh, let us know you prayed with us today so that we can get this to you. And it's going to help you take the next step in your journey in your faith. We also want to say thank you, each and every one of you, for joining us today in worship. As you leave today, please make sure you drop your communication cards um, and your offering in the baskets. Our ushers are going to be in the back there waiting for you. But um, we look forward to seeing you next week online or here in, on the campus as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.